I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. You are always ready. I'm always ready. Hmm. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday. Here we are. Um, we're here. For episode 179 of Snakes and Stogies, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Um, this episode, just like many others before it is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Um, if you're in the market for a cage or a rack, go get you something good. Use a code THN and check out, save yourself a little bit of money. You won't be disappointed. All of us firmly stand by black boxes stuff. They do have really top notch builds and the best in the industry <clears throat> for sure. Uh, and you can see for yourself if you go to blackboxcages.com. Give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, again, there is a giveaway coming up here soon, if I'm not mistaken. Really? So go give give that a look. Uh, and then Fulvis Apparel, fulvisapparel.com. Get yourself a shirt. Got some, uh, some, some new designs that I need to upload. I was going to do it over the weekend, but my plans just rodents rodents completely yeah. screwed my entire weekend um, um you know it's just crazy and then oh it's like a half week for me because we're going out of town for a wedding at the end of the week so gonna be scrambling to get that done so maybe while i'm i'm out and about traveling i'll have some time to to upload some new stuff and get some stuff together like this new world order shirt with the boas and stuff that i have yet to upload nice <clears throat> uh as for hats you only have the subak and the okati right now uh i have one subak hat currently and then i have some of the alterna hats still that are the flex fits but they're the small mediums i think i have three of those um haven't had a chance to get more of the okati and subak hats made and then I was working on a Condro design. So I was looking at them today and asking around to see, get some opinions on, cool. on the design for that. So very cool. That may or may not happen within the next couple of days. We'll see. Um, but just like black box, use the code THN at checkout on fullviesapparel.com. Yeah. THN listeners and viewers like you get the exclusive 15% off your order. Shipping that's a, that's a lot, man. That's great. Shipping worldwide. International. That's right. Actually, I'm speaking of, I meant to check how that, that order going to France was uh where that was sitting. Hopefully it's not returned and back in my mailbox. Hopefully. Let's see. All orders. Delivery date unavailable. Well, that's just great. It means it's on an airplane somewhere. 
Uh, it departed Fort Lauderdale this morning. Interesting. Don't know how that works. What? Okay. It went from me to Charleston to Jacksonville to Seminole, Orlando to Miami. Wow. Talk about by way of Dubai. Parted Miami. Processed through Miami. Now it says it's in Fort Lauderdale. So I don't know what's going on there, but it's probably just sitting on a plane. I don't know. It says it arrived in Miami and then arrived in Miami again, and then it departed Miami, and then it processed through Miami, and then it arrived in Miami again. Hope it didn't get stuck in the the vortex that is uh, the Postal Service. Yeah, that'll happen. So, see how that goes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so get yourself a hat, get yourself a shirt. Um, If you have any interest in that last Subok hat, I have not updated the website inventory on hats because I really haven't had enough to warrant doing it. But if there's any interest there, hit me up. Um, And then side note, uh, if anybody has any interest in a banana clown ball python, I have been tasked with selling one here locally. Um. Locally like the THN listeners or locally like Buford area? Buford area. It's it's Justin Olson's. Um, he's basically like, you know, if you can, he, he was trying to find a home for it and he's kind of throwing in the towel more or less. So I got you. He's like, if you can sell it, go for it. Um, I'm asking like 300 shipped. Which apparently is a pretty good deal. I don't. I don't. The, I guess the issue is, is I don't really have a, a knack for the whole ball python thing and what's going on. So, it's a male, ready to breed, really chill. It's a nice little snake, you know. If I if I had any, I was tempted to take it home so Ellie could have it, but I know that I would still be taking care of it and it would still yeah. be taking up space. And I was just like, let's not bother. So. Another for you for you ball python people, hit me up. Um, great condition. Justin takes really good care of his stuff and uh, hit me up about that too. So, but the, speaking of ball pythons and people who love clowns, apparently, but not banana clowns, <laughs> Puget Sound Pythons, Jeff and Kendra, shout out to, uh, to them. They uh, are also one of our lovely sponsors and you need to go follow them on Morph Market and Facebook and Instagram. All of them. Follow them all on everything. Stay in the loop with what they're doing, what they're producing. I think they're slowly starting to take the... Are they taking the the, the dive down Colubrid Lane? I don't know. I, I know they posted a picture of a baby berm the other day. I guess it's their last berm that they're going to have, which I thought was crazy because I swore they were big python, big, big snake people. So, interesting. Interesting, the dynamic change. Yeah, Tyson. I mean, it's it it isn't it has it's not selling, you know, because I really haven't posted it anywhere. Um, between like that thing and the corns and stuff, frankly, I've been I've been avoiding having to go to Morph Market just because I dealing with the the Morph Market the dance. I don't feel like doing the dance. So he said it. They said it. Need to stop being lazy. 
Slowly, we are diving into colubrids. It's all downhill from here. That yep. berm is for a friend, Jeff said. Exclamation point. That is not their berm. Not their oh, berm. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, he also hasn't really been putting it out there very much, but 300 shipped. Ready to breed. I do think it's crazy He's how, champ. It, even though, like, all right. So, for example, I was a colubrid guy. That's all I had was colubrids. And then I got one carpet. And then I kind of had a hodgepodge. And then I slipped into venomous. But I I never got away from colubrids. I always have had colubrids. Now I've got more colubrids than I ever had. And uh, it's just, you just get roped in, man. You fall in love. That's just it's it. It's such a, such a huge and diverse world. It there's, is. There's truly something for everyone. Yep. No matter what your flavor there's a necklace snake for everyone. That's right. Made the switch from boas and pythons to colubrids too. Yeah. Haven't we all? Um, I don't know. I'll always have chondros, but yeah. Yeah. Colubrids, man. It's, uh, it's tough. There's just the simplicity in them for the most part. Uh, you know, just fun snakes. Yeah. Uh, I, we will not forget either because I am currently drinking it. Uh, Cold blooded caffeine. Yes. We are still working on our our project. There, we. I meant to text you about that today, but uh, you need some coffee, and it's some of the best, legitimately. Like I've had a, a good bit of coffee in my day, but without a doubt, I enjoy theirs the most. We had a local roaster who had some really good stuff too, but he kind of stopped bringing in like really good stuff. And uh, I don't know, Trey and Trey and uh, McKendrick are, are my guys now. Yeah, man, they make a hell of a brew. Hell of a brew. What are you smoking this evening? Uh, this evening, I'm a little left field. Uh, it's a, I guess it's a Corona sized. Abano local. Oh yeah. So just a local wrap from a local shop has a guy that hand rolls. I have no idea what's in it, but uh, it smelled pretty good. So why not? It's rock and roll. <clears throat> what about yourself? I too went into the humidor and was like, let me do something different this week because I feel like I just, I'm at a point where I'm at that age where I'm just starting to smoke the same stuff over and over because that's just what I enjoy, but I'm rolling with a, a Rocky Patel Sungro Maduro. Very nice. In the 6x60. Damn. It's a bit of beast. That's a, it's a strong cigar. So I'm not a huge Rocky fan. I know I've mentioned that in the past. Um, to me, Rocky Patel, their portfolio is about a mile wide and an inch deep. They've got a couple blends in the mix that are really solid. This is one of them, especially if you want something that's like going to knock you on your ass, like strong. Um, Sungro Maduro is where it's at. Um, they have a lot of other cigars that I think are, are cigars. Like there's really nothing all that special about them. Um, but he has a couple gems in there. <clears throat> And then, if time allows, which it may not, I had a uh, My Father Le Bijou on deck. It's got Cigar of the Year a handful of years ago. I'm on the I fence about it. I, 
I smoke them sometimes and they're really good. And then other times I smoke them and they're really not great. So it kind of depends on the box. I think, I don't know. That got a lot of hype when it first got cigar of the year as, as they always do. And not my favorite, my father, but, uh, it sells really well. It's popular, but I think they have, they have better out there in my opinion, but <clears throat> for what it's worth, which is very little. And how's that first? Uh, not so hot. Upon upon light. Yeah, not so hot. It um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's partially lit. <clears throat> but the top, it almost like it almost looks like I burnt it too much, and it like kind of charcoaled out. If that makes any sense. I mean, you can see it in camera. Like, look, like one side is just not. Maybe maybe the tobacco is too moist. I don't know. Lighter. Interesting. I'm gonna refill all these lighters. Oh, I know. I, I literally checked my um, uh, jet before coming on the show because I was like, things acting funny, you know. And I think it's interesting is when I was at your house for the wedding. Do you remember you helped me? You like tweaked my torch lighter a little bit. Yep. Because it had so much carbon on it. That's something that we definitely should talk about on occasion because I've gone through probably three torches since that incident and that torch that you fixed it is a straight up crack lighter right now <laughs> the uh the torch is like a solid four or five inches long the flame good lord but uh you it won't ignite on its own i have to use another lighter to ignite it so it's you have it it's turned up too high that's that, would, that you have to turn it down that's what it is but even still, I feel like the flint or whatever is used to spark is doesn't spark. It just clicks. Well, that's because the gas comes out so fast that it can't even like ah, it, it has to okay. come out. If it's if it comes out, if it's set too high and the gas is coming out too forcefully, that ignition isn't going to catch it. Okay. So you have okay. to turn it down when it's when it's like that and it's like really shooting out some butane. Definitely turn it down a little bit. Which typically on most lighters, if you flip it upside down, um, I can't. Like on this one, it has a little a little knob, and then it's got this little yeah. like suitcase yeah, this handle that the... pops up. Mm -hmm. um, they're adjustable for the most part, so you'll spin this either clockwise or counterclockwise. It'll tell you on the bottom which which direction. Yeah, you know, it turns it plus down or minus turns it up. sign. Yeah. Um, over time, I mean, even if you're not adjusting this, over time in your pocket and stuff, like it moves. Uh, doesn't matter how how good that that lock is and how tough it is to move it in your pocket it's going to move around um it's going to get off it's either going to get turned down too low or turned up too high you just got to adjust it a little bit and then uh sometimes yeah like phil was saying too you get some carbon built up on the burners on the inside there uh usually i'll just take like a q-tip maybe some rubbing alcohol or something and just wipe them down um and that's if you're using like cheaper butane that'll definitely happen but then the little ignition itself, there's a little sparker, kind of like a grill lighter. You get, There's actually this thing decides to work when I don't want it to. Um, you can't see it, but if you look in there, there's a little elbow that has a spark. It's got a little ignition in there. Uh, sometimes that gets bent, too, if it's in your pocket. So if you sort of bend that back closer, like towards the burners, then it'll it'll kind of go back to doing its job. So Excellent. 
But I will say we've had so I had, I had so many people coming into the shop complaining like I just bought this lighter it doesn't work it doesn't work it doesn't work and like nine times out of ten it was just turned up too high so like guys would come in and they're like I've been trying to get this thing to work all day like I I've I've done everything you you guys have told me to like I purged it and refilled it and I've done all this and I'm like I can't get it to work and I'll literally grab it and touch it once and it like sparks back up and it's <laughs> yeah they're like what'd you do. They look at you like you you just did witchcraft or something. And, yeah. And then they feel I feel bad because then they drove all the way to the shop for something they could have probably just called and we could have told them like, oh, just turn it down some. So Yeah, that's how it always works, right? That's how yeah. it always happens. What do we got going on here? Check in the chat. Check in the chat. Check in the chat. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I definitely want to hear about your recent corn clutch. <clears throat> that was today. Today. Let me get let me get this going. Oh, you bitch. There you go. It's because you're because you're messing with it. Yeah, it's it's I, I want to show on camera how it works, but I also don't want to burn my camera because it'd have to get close enough to show it. But you guys can see there's on mine, there's three like uh I guess butane emitters and then burners. Yeah. Naturally, it's working now. <laughs> You've got singles, doubles. There's some that even have like four. There's quads. So this is a single. It's just a single torch, single burner. Um, these are nice for your your thinner gauge cigars. Ideally, the the snakes and stogie zippos that we did the run of. Yes. Like two years ago, I this lighter is like everything to me. I'm amazed <laughs> I have not lost it yet. But this is a double burner, and I love it. You get a little Zippo insert torch. Yeah, and that insert torch was like six bucks on Amazon. Yeah, the Zippo brand ones are a little more expensive, which I, I went ahead and got that. I think it was like ten or thirteen on Amazon. But okay, I also found out Ace Hardware carries them, but they're oh like really eighteen dollars. Oh wow, so if you can't get a hold of it. Um, Amazon for the win. Yeah, but I don't know. We may have to do another run of these because I think it's time to do a second one with a slightly different logo. Or do you want to do the same logo as a a, a volume a, a second? Uh, what do they call it? Um, second edition. Second edition. Thank you. Yeah, something. We'll have to think about that. I love this thing though. Like, I think this was like one of the coolest things we've done. Was these? Yeah. I took mine and I took nail polish, actually, like silver nail polish, and I uh, sort of like what I've done to my my Glock slide, where it's engraved. You put yeah. nail polish over it, and then if you take some acetone or, or rubbing alcohol on a cotton ball and you you rub it, it leaves it in the ingrained sections, but uh. it takes off from around it. So I've made mine silver, and it lasts forever because that enamel. Um, yeah, you know fingernail polish really sticks so we'll see and that's crazy because i never i never use mine because i'm afraid of scratching it up and dinging it up and getting it all dirty and yeah dude, mine's no mine's beat to hell like i like that like that's the point is like i want (laughs) that thing to have some it's been in the pocket with my keys and my wallet and like it's scratched to shit nice it has personality like the bottom looks all weathered where it's you know that zippo oh yeah yeah i freaking love it Oh, maybe I'll start carrying mine. I'll see if that if the missus has silver. Well, it's also such polish. a good size because it's so thin. Oh yeah, like the perfect size lighter. It doesn't take up a ton of space in your pocket. Um, 
you know, it. I just, I love it. I It fell out of my pocket at the cigar shop, like, last weekend. And the kid that was working was like, is this yours? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'll be there to call. I'm coming to get it right now. I, like, dropped everything. Wow. To go get my <laughs> I, was like, I can't believe you, you left it. That's crazy. It fell out of my pocket. I have a couple shorts where, like, my pockets, the way they're set up, if I, like, have my leg up like I do now, or I have it crossed yeah. or something, it That's just the worst. out. So. That's the couch, man. The couch collects everything. Yep. Yep. So... Uh, any pros to using matches over lighters for cigars or nah? So there actually is. Oh yeah. Um, matches or cedar spills. So sometimes if you go to a cigar shop, you'll see like strips of cedar. Uh, people will light with those instead of a torch matches and soft flames like Bix, uh, burn much cooler than torches do by a, by several hundred degrees, like by a very large margin. Ideally, you do want to light with matches or a soft flame. I don't particularly care for Bix. I can taste that, whatever that yeah. fuel is that they use in those. Yeah, I don't know I, if it's butane or something else. Exactly. It affects the flavor. I know people that use Bix all the time, no problem. I can taste it. I don't like it. Um, Which is so crazy. If I'm doing a I don't taste flame, it. Usually matches. I don't taste mm-hmm. it on a cigarette. And I have no problem. I mean, I use a Bic all day long because I smoke cigarettes, but I will never light a cigar with a Bic unless I absolutely have to, you know? So be prepared. Same children. with Zippo, like Zippo with the soft flames, like that Zippo fluid definitely has a flavor yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. Um, but matches burn cooler. So sort of the idea there is like the point of cigars, as ironic as it is, is to not burn them. You want to you want to light them and have them lit at the lowest temperature possible that keeps it lit, but isn't like turning it to glass. Right. If that makes sense. So if you're using matches, uh, it burns cooler. You're not, quote unquote, burning the tobacco. You are getting more flavor out of that cigar, ideally. Um, and so typically, if I'm smoking something new, if I haven't, if it's something I haven't had before, I, I do make a point to light with a soft flame uh, just so I'm getting a better you know representation of the flavor. And I kind of, you know, I can really see what it's all about. If it's something I've smoked a million times, I really don't care. I'll... I'll slap it right on the torch and not not think about it so yeah there is benefit um i'll also say this with matches don't light the match and immediately draw your cigar because you're going to be breathing in and 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 inhaling and smelling that um phosphorus that phosphate that magnesium that's in there to make that spark so strike your match Get that sulfury dioxide smell off. Yeah. Give it, so give, this, it give it a half a second. And if then this once is the, the match, wood goes. Yeah. If you strike it, what I do is I, I strike it and once it's lit on the tip there, I'll hold it at an angle like this so the tip is pointed down so that flame climbs up a little bit. And then as I'm lighting it, I take it and I turn it up because then it doesn't start eating away the wood as fast and it gives you a little more time to get it lit, but you're past the you know that head on the match. So I just I use snake sheds to light my cigars. I've actually never tried to burn a snake shed. I wonder what that would like. That's probably really gross. It probably smells like burnt hair. Probably, yeah. I never thought about that. I don't think anybody else has really thought about that either. It's weird. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. I'm not I'm not into it, sorry. I do some gross stuff. First time we see Mark Hager in weeks. I know, right? (laughs) That's what he throws at us. Yeah. 
He's rolling Snake's skin into like a joint just to use it to light his cigars. <laughs> with them them conjures he's got for sale, he's rolling up hundred dollar bills and lighting with that. Yeah, conjure people like a pimp. Oh, uh, anything new with you, update wise? Yeah, I um, <laughs> I've been trying to. Uh, all right, I've had black box cages for a very long time. I've had animals in them. I've had animals out of them. I love their products, but I have th- one, two, three, four enclosures that I've been trying to do right. I've been trying to map it out, and I'm experimenting outside of the cage to make sure that I'm if I'm doing something permanent, I don't want it to be a pain in my ass right so i'm almost done with the gila monster enclosure um but i've really been playing with excavator clay because i really want to learn how to use it better for my arid animals and i feel like zoomed hit it out of the park with that stuff as long as you're using it right um and so i started to i used i took a cookie sheet and some wax paper and i made some liquid mush excavator clay so i can yeah so i can get my my try to make some hieroglyphics and some like flat stone rocks that i can just stack because yeah it still has weight to it but they're a fraction of the weight of an actual stone so if i can make some like shale pieces out of excavator clay and just stack them that would be great for you know girdle tail lizards or uh my telescopus or anything that's in a rocky environment i was even thinking maybe some of the uh my um pyro milana you know uh, uh arizona mountain king snakes excuse me and uh i think that'd be really fun so i started to make like almost like peanut brittle you know where you kind of make this thin layer and then crack it and and, and break it up into shards yeah so uh, i'm i'm basically i have some that's been drying for the past i don't know 30 hours or whatever so in the next couple of days we'll see how it goes and i also i stopped buying the stereotypical reptile pet plants from the pet shops. I did like, like what? Like your Zoomed fake prickly pear cactus on a rock. Oh yeah. I guess. And kudos to them. They make a great animal friendly product at a very good price. It is very realistic looking, but for what I'm trying to do, it doesn't always work. So I always go to Hobby Lobby or Michael's Arts and Crafts, and I hit, I go to Hobby Lobby and I hit that silk plant aisle, man. And they have so much. Boy, stuff Hobby Lobby is awesome, dude. So Hobby much Lobby's stuff awesome. in there for like that just has potential. Like there's nothing in there that you could just take it and stick it in your enclosure. Like it's not going to happen. But I got right. some really great. Um, agave type plants like some of them actually mm-hmm. have the species name on it which i thought was fantastic um yeah, i got cool. some really cool agave type plants some succulent type plants all of them it's not silk it's like a it's like a silicone rubber almost yeah and and uh, i've had some in enclosures with uvb they didn't discolor you know um mm-hmm. they don't they don't melt easily uh, under a normal reptile heat lamp not, so not coated in lead paint yeah exactly that fun american lead-based paint um, so yeah, so I had a, it's, it's a two foot vision cage. It's two foot wide by like t- 16 inches tall by like eight inches deep. It's like a s- very small arboreal enclosure. It's like for like one eyelash viper, if you wanted to do something like that. Um, it could probably house a chondro for a year or two, you know, but 
I've been trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. So I realized that, you know, I've been using these uh, mypetbackdrops.com. They make an awesome mm -hmm. product. Uh, I got Doc Wyman onto them and he used, he's bought two or three big, like four foot ones that are stick on on the inside of the enclosure. They're UV resistant. They're self-adhesive. They're, they're awesome. Can't, can't speak enough about them. Did that Bill got some <clears throat> recently, right? Oh, did he? I don't know. I didn't see that. I don't know if he got him from the same place, but he got a like a background, like a, a backdrop for something. Nice. Days. And it goes on the inside say, of the enclosure? Yeah, I want to say he got him from the same same place. Awesome. Awesome. Well, one of my favorite things about them is they have countless pictures to choose from for backgrounds. It's not just the same old, you know, uh, uh, Utah Canyon Arches, Arches National Park Canyon, the same photo where it's not just Uluru, you know, um, but you can upload your own photos. So for the Gila Monster one, I actually have the Gila Monster habitat that I was in looking for Gila Monsters. Obviously, I didn't find any, but so that was really cool to do that. And I realized I'm going to do all my enclosures with my own photos. Yeah, but and how I, high how high resolution do they really need to be to like how well does it print? Dude, it came out freaking great. I mean, I can you want me to send them to you on Facebook so we can post them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll send you the Gila one because that's that's the one that's probably most put together so far um but yeah so i decided to do one for one of my trans pecos copperheads so i got that like a fake agave bush thing going in there i'll have the backdrop i'll have some some different colored rocks that kind of meet the environment but i took one of our photos from uh crap where was it Tejas. no i think it was alpine i think it was when when you and me were walking behind the cabin in alpine Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those, but uh, I, I just sent that off to get made. So hopefully I'll have that next week. All right. Where's the Gila Monster enclosure? Here we go. And then I'll send you the photo of the, uh, for the Transpagos Copperhead. Obviously, I don't have it yet. So, in the cages, everything's pieces, better from the Transpecos. Everything's better from the Transpecos. We should get that oh, tattooed. Dude, that looks, looks awesome. And it's, I'm not done. Like, I got a lot of, I got a fair bit of work to do still. So, um, where's this other photo? Oh, you know, it wasn't Alpine. I can't remember the site, but do you remember when? Rob and Dr. Julander were flipping that rock trying to get that scalopris. And we were had it was right after we had the termite swarm. Yeah, that was Davis. That's Davis. Okay. So that was this, that was uh Madera Canyon, I thought. Was it? Okay. So I just sent you that picture too. So that'll be the backdrop for the Transpecos Copperhead. Yeah, that was Madera Canyon. Madera Canyon, okay. I believe. Yeah, because that was the same time that we saw those those poachers had that one transpagos in a bucket it was, yeah it was definitely davis let me see i just downloaded them because it's easier i'm i'm trying trying patrick i know but yeah the, the Gila monster enclosure i i i'm glad i got a three foot and not something smaller because when you add that much decor it, it doesn't leave enough room for the animal and i feel like Hey, there it is. Um, so I still have a lot of work to do, but that's the basic outline. And that's a three foot by two foot by two foot, I think it is. 
black box and that's one of their newer sliding locking ones that's actually that's the first one that i got from them mm-hmm. so, yeah. I like and then, how it's cut to the vents like perfectly uh that was actually me that was a pain in my ass <laughs> and i feel i feel stupid because doc wyman he did it right he stuck it over the vents and then took an, a razor blade and cut out each individual vent mm. so yeah, i mean his looks way better than mine but that's a photo that i took personally and uh even if you zoom in man like the the resolution from like cell phone it came out great it looks way better in person yeah facebook's gonna kill the kill the resolution yeah yeah but all those all those plants that are in there that's all from uh hobby lobby and all the clay rock that you see that's excavator clay that i shaped and molded and then what i wound up doing is uh once i put the rocks where i wanted them i took a bunch of really really wet soupy soupy excavator clay like with legitimate standing water and i just poured it in there like maybe a pints a pints full and what that in my mind what that's going to do is it's going to adhere to the bottom of the enclosure just to give it a little more stability so even if the gila monster move sand around or moves yeah. rocks around it'll still have it won't be just black bottom you know what i mean so let's let me pull up the other one thanks jeff And then this will be the background for the Transpecos copper, which hindsight in probably, oh, yeah, that that Facebook ruined that resolution. Jesus. Yep. Because that, that photo is crystal clear. Um, obviously, in a year or two, that Transpecos is going to grow out of that enclosure. Which means you got to get another one. Well, hopefully I'll have produced them by then. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I can always throw like a baby subak in it. I feel like a baby subak could probably live in that enclosure for at least two years, you know. So I have, I have, or maybe even, dare I say, the G word, uh, and throw a gray band in there. Maybe I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? Oh. I don't know. I just don't know if we'll have enough time. Just get a look at this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got two I'm raising now. I got a pair of big hatchets that I'm raising now. And uh I don't know if I made this public, but my Franklin Mountain uh passed away this year. We did not and talk about we that. We did not talk about that. Um that was a real 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 kick in the shins. Um and I'm not as upset that he passed away as I am that I didn't for years I talked about getting him a girlfriend. I never did. And I felt I feel like I did him a disservice by not doing that. I feel like I did herpetoculture a disservice by not doing that because that is such a rare locality these days. Only a few guys in the world are even continuing to produce pure Franklin Mountains. So um I I don't know if I'm gonna revisit that locality again because it is hands down my favorite. Um but I had him I had him in my possession just about 15 years and he was probably four or five years old when i got him ish so he's got it he had to have been at least 20 years old so and it was really peculiar man he he was doing great and uh he actually was pretty fat 
and I was kind of thinning him out a little bit. <clears throat> so I was only feeding him once a month and I finally got him down to like a good weight and I fed him a rat pup. He ate it. He drank a big drink. And then next morning I found him dead. And that was it. So that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, man. And and thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that, man. But yeah, I just, I feel like uh, I, I should have did more with him. Um, he was a great, great rattlesnake man like he was the perfect size he wrote a hook he was just sassy enough to keep you on your toes so we would use him he was on display at underground for poof i don't know almost seven eight years he was on display at underground so countless people got their hours with him you know he was super photogenic he would sit there and rattle and dude mm -hmm. i think his rattle had like 15 or 16 buttons on it when i wow. when he passed yeah so but yeah that, that was actually his enclosure that i stripped down so maybe we'll see what happens hmm. everything else doing doing well all the subox and everything uh yeah yeah everyone's doing great everyone's doing great i um that adult that i got from rob nemo that big girl i i'm afraid like she eats she poops she's great she's happy i don't know if i'm underfeeding or overfeeding i mean because i've only had her since daytona and she eats anything I put in front of her, but I'm only giving her like a rat pup a week because I feel like rat pups are super fatty. It's also, I don't want to. Uh, that seems fine. That's okay. probably what I would do. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I never fed mine like massive meals. Okay. Because that was my thing. Is she Like, obviously, we want to keep small meals often with Subak, right? She could probably take a small rat perfectly fine. I would obviously never do that. But I feel like for her size, I don't know if I should be feeding her two rat pups or maybe like one rat crawler or maybe like four rat pinks. I, I, I don't know. I haven't really. Maybe I just change it up. Maybe I change it up from time to time. Give her a bird. Who knows? I mean, are you cooling her this year? Probably not because I was okay. hoping that my male was going to be. He's probably old enough. He's going to be over two years, but he's so tiny, dude. I just like. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like holding a garter snake up to a up to a red tail boa, you know. It's just not going to work. So we'll give it another year, probably. But her enclosure is the next one, and I still I haven't decided what background to use for hers because I was going to try and do. You need to use on, one like, of the cut pictures. Well, that's what I was going to do, but I feel like it's just a blank rock wall. So what I was going to try and do is I have a picture of the Oasis Inn sign. And I was going to put that like in the corner and then do like rock around it. So like the rocks broken, you could see the sign through the rocks. I thought that yeah. might be cool. Um, or I may just honestly do, cause she's got river road blood in her. I may just do that one picture. I took at river road, like looking yeah. over the mountains with like the highway in the distance, mm -hmm. just on principle because it's river road. Yeah. So I might do that one. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was a lot of, I think we took more pictures of like scenery and stuff than we, we did. did. <laughs> yeah, we did, man. We'll do. We're all every snake we'd love comes from that friggin' part of the world. So we took more rock pictures and cactus deserty pictures than, than snakes. <laughs> I, I do honestly, as morbid as this is, as it sounds, I do regret not getting a photo of the dead subak on the road because I felt like that really would have been cool for locality data, just in general. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So but we have to go back we have to go back 
Yeah, I'm, I definitely want to. Um, so many, so many awesome places that we went just within that area. You know, just yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, man. What about you, man? You want to talk about some corn snakes? Yeah. So I came home. Well, let me back up. Like yesterday, the second hypo clutch finally started hatching. Maybe it was the day before yesterday. It was Saturday. So after like 80 something days, these eggs finally hatched. And it was getting to the point where I was like, I don't think these things are going to hatch. I don't know what was going on. Like, I was thinking if I had kept them in the snake room on the top shelf of, a, of, of the tall rack, the habitat systems rack, that they would hatch faster than the first clutch did. So the reason I didn't incubate them in the incubator was to see if there was going to be a discrepancy in, in the incubation time, which there was, but okay. the opposite of what I was expecting. And I, after thinking about it, uh, my AC vent points directly at the top of that rack, so... Yeah. Those eggs got cooked at like 72 degrees, okay. especially at night. Uh, Could have been got worse. A warmer, got a little warmer during the day, but it took, it took a minute. So. Um, they finally started hatching, and I came home today to check and see you know, where they were at and how many more hadn't pipped. And, um, you know, I'm looking around, and, and I, I happen to notice that one of these eggs has two little faces poking out of it. Nice. And uh, I have a picture. A picture took me. So I thought this was cool because this is the first time I have had. Are you just not going to? Oh. Talking to me? No, no. I'm talking to my computer. Oh, okay. Um, two little faces poking out at me from this weird egg that has this pink blushing all over it for some reason. Yeah, it's very interesting. Is that two different cuts? Three different cuts in that egg. Yeah, I think that, I mean, this was the, the first one, but then I think, you know, old uh, old righty here went over to this one and then maybe cut this one as well. But okay. I've never had twins before, so I thought that was cool because that's the that's first. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I was like, sweet. Well, then I look over, there's an egg over, that's this one right here that you can't really see. Okay. It's out of frame, right? And that one's like, the snake is like ass out. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It must be sleeping. So then I, I poked it just to see if it was still alive. And it wasn't. So I was like, okay, that's weird. It must have come out a little bit. Turned around, went back in the egg, and then somehow couldn't find its way back out. Yeah. Um, and what that ended up being... Can I switch windows without having to like... Uh, let's see. Why would they make this simple? So I went and I, I just out of curiosity to see like maybe what the hell happened. Uh, I cut the egg and I pulled the snake out because it was again, it was just the back half that was sticking out of the egg. Yeah. And uh, it it's a by a bicephaly. Look at that, man. So I was like, no freaking way when I pulled it out. So this thing pipped. Like the egg yeah. was cut. I didn't cut the egg. It had pipped and cut the egg. Um, wow. Again, I don't know exactly what happened. It was 
you know, the tail was hanging out and it was, it was just dead, but you can see it's sort of like flared out here that, that upper lip, like those mm -hmm. labial scales and stuff like the mouth and on both, both heads was a little deformed and kind of underbitey Wonky. and like, yeah. Um, well overbite, but yeah, unfortunately it, it didn't make it, but same clutch. I just thought that was wild. Cause I was like, what are the odds that you get twins and a bicephalic animal in the same and is that tessera yeah yeah wow so needless to say you're making that exact pairing again next year i don't think so um because someone else asked in the corner after i go to this picture saying oh you should do that pairing again and i don't really plan to i this was the pairing with that hypo pied blood red male Okay. Um, that I was wanting to just basically carry on his his genes. Like the point of that pairing was to produce more to be able to carry on that lineage down the right. line with some holdbacks and stuff. Um, and getting two clutches from that female from this pairing, it uh, you know, I don't know that I'm going to need more. You know, need to pair it again. But yeah, I also don't necessarily think this. There's a genetic component to this. I think it's it's got to be. You know, maybe I'm sure Doc Wyman will chime in tomorrow. Um, you know, I think this is more of an incubation temperature uh, developmental thing, not necessarily a genetic cause, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying. I don't know. So, I just I feel like there's so many. Uh, I don't want to say congenital, but there's so many twins things that happen that mm -hmm. but have nothing to do with double-headed you see what i'm saying yeah yeah so i don't, I don't know i mean i feel like yeah. i feel like you're it in the right boat really healthy animal yeah in terms of built like body tone and stuff it was it was fine but now what's the on the that loop that's up where the moss is stuck what's that right there where your cursor just was What's that darkness that's there? Is that? That's the tail. Oh, that's the tail. Right okay. here. Yeah, that's okay. the tail. The tail the tail tip, like past the vent. Yeah. Yeah, man, that patterning is crazy. So I put it in the freezer because I'd like to preserve it um, at some point. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was such a cool thing. Like I pulled out, you know, I was pulling out the back half from the egg and then two heads came out and I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. Oh man! Imagine if it was still alive. I thought it was, yeah, it was wild. And so then Katie was like, "Well, maybe the are you sure the twins aren't another one of those?" And I'm like, "No, those heads are like looking in two different directions. Unless that thing's <laughs> got like two necks." Yeah, yeah, but, uh, that ain't happening. So, but I don't know. It's uh, the rest of the clutch is out. No, there was still two eggs that hadn't pipped yet, and then there was another. There were three babies that were out. Four that was out just before. Fourth was out of the egg just before I had we had set up. Um, and then the the twins and stuff were still in the egg. And there's a few others that were just kind of chilling. So we'll see. I'm I'm wanting to pull them once they come out because I want to see these. Like I don't want the twins to come out and then get in the mix with everything else. Yeah. You know I want to be able to kind of separate them and and be able to know what's going on there because i know historically like with sort of a, a weaker one of the two and uh or they're both kind of just mediocre in terms of like build and health and so 
Yeah. I like to kind of separate those, but so many. Yeah, some of them much. some of them came out tiny and then some of them came out absolutely just beefy. So nice. Pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's surprising. Again, I think it was mostly a developmental fluke. I don't think it was necessarily genetic, but I think if it were a genetic thing, we'd see it a lot more often as well. Like, we'd yeah. see it in more stuff. Yeah, you got a point there. Twins, like, twins we see, that's not a super rare occurrence. You know, I, there's definitely a genetic component there. But I think when with bicephaly like that, I don't think that's uh, necessarily a genetic mutation, per se. Yeah, who knows, man? I'm sure, like you said, Wyman will ping us tomorrow <laughs> and uh and your baird's clutch is all out now um yes so those the last clutch of baird's which was that four egg clutch where two of them went bad those two babies are out um cool. have not had first sheds yet that one that pairing i'm 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 interested to see how those color up because that pair was the wild caught um Madera Canyon male from Pain Chab okay. to a um, undocumented, like super silvery Eastern range looking female. So they're like polar opposites in terms of phenotype and, and range. Um, so I put those together just mostly out of curiosity. So that's yeah. the extent of my Frankensteining. Um, the babies look interesting. I mean, the pattern-wise, they're a little busier. There's kind of a little more going on, but... Okay, cool. Um, sent out three Bairds to Joe Peck today. Those were the head albinos from... That was a seven-egg clutch where three of the eggs went bad. So there was only four babies. I sent Joe three of those. I kept one. Um, he sent me some castagna stuff last week, some corns. So that was, you know, a trade. And uh, Nice, nice. Yeah, so Baird's wise, I've got three this year that I'm currently holding on to. We'll see what happens. But that's cool, man. That that is going to be exciting to see what happens. Then about a billion baby corns now. At least it feels like it. <laughs> and um, how's the cutting project? That is going fine. So no one ate. I didn't feed, and everybody got a bye week. Okay. Last weekend, no one fed. No one was fed. Everyone was weighed, but no one got food. Okay. Mostly because I didn't have enough pinkies to to feed all of them on the same day, if that makes sense. That's like all right. Trying to keep them all in a group together on the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all get fed or they all don't get fed. Like, there's no, like, cherry picking here and there. Um, so I fed them all Saturday. And after I weighed them. And, and wrote down i haven't even updated the spreadsheet yet but i have it all written down on note cards um i have to plug that in um so number six which is the one that has been not eating the runt yeah not doing great like hasn't really gained any weight has lost a little bit um kind of has plateaued hasn't hasn't done anything since since it hatched okay um finally took nice completely unassisted i just drop fed went and checked you know, really that night looked frozen thought or live frozen thought. Hell yeah, man. I looked cause I was like, 
where's the pinky? Thinking maybe it had moved it or something, or it was like pushed under the paper towel or something. So I'm looking around. I'm like, you didn't eat. And sure enough, I looked. I got a little lump in, and I was like, look who's with the program. So That's great, man. I'm actually glad to see that because that kind of thing, like when I go to weigh them, well, see, that's what's frustrating is we're not going to be here this weekend, so I won't be able to weigh them Saturday. That's okay. That's all right. Not okay because I want to see what the what the gain is for the, the week. You're still going to have gain. Uh, two days isn't going to make a difference. What do you mean? But you're you're so you're insinuating that he's not going to gain any kind of fat or muscle tone. No, I won't be here to be able to weigh them Saturday. Right, but even if he defecates, he's still going to have increased in some kind of capacity. Yeah, but I I want to know how much on the scheduled day. Okay, that's why I'm we not get a back Sunday. So like <laughs> Sunday, I can weigh him, and it's all good. But um, everyone's eaten now, and the results are continuing to to be pretty consistent in terms of the group that is getting cuts is still gaining roughly half a gram a week. Um, the group that is not getting cuts is is growing, but definitely slower. So now I'm at a point where it's like, when do I stop? Um, which I know has kind of been the question since I started it, but I'm just going to pretty much keep going. Yeah. Probably up until the first issue of the magazine, because I'm going to, I want to write the article up on that for that, that first issue. Hell yeah. Um, so I figure like, mid-december you know maybe we'll we'll call it see what happens but okay it's um it's been very consistent though like i said the the numbers and the the overall growth there's like one baby in particular that was over 10 grams for some reason and dropped under 10 grams with this last weigh-in really thought was odd i don't know what's going on there um and then you know, digestion rates between the cut group and uncut group are, are pretty, pretty vast. The, the cut group burns through it way faster. Um, so to be continued. Yeah, man, it's actually interesting how I've, I've been very selective as to what I'm cutting and what I'm not in terms of stuff that I want to grow faster and get more weight onto opposed to other stuff that i'm just maintaining you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so oh i uh i got a rhino to eat the other night too oh nice nice how'd you do that uh so that was one kevin baron our buddy kev the man mailed me some leopard gecko sheds because he you know he oh. leopard geckos, so he said he got a a, a rhino at one point that either wasn't established or went off food. And so he was like, you know, one night I tried just wrapping some some leopard gecko shed around a pinky to see if it get anything going. That's and it. he said it did. So he sent me some to try. I've tried it. haven't really had a ton of success with it. Um, but I had some, uh, there was one rhino out of the group, and it's the same one that ate, where I wrapped it, and it would grab it, and it would start to eat it. But the problem was the pinky was just slightly too big, so it would get about a third of the way down and then just abort, like it would yeah. just fail, just back out. I was like, "It's there because I it would do it, and it 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 
bailed the first time and i was like okay well let's try it again so i picked up the mouse and it grabbed it and it started to swallow it and then it stopped again same plot same Uh spot and left so like okay maybe that pinky's too big so then um when i was i was talking to olsen because i'm still snake sitting for him and he was like oh i got some tiny pinkies in the in the freezer you know take a couple give those a shot so i i did but this time with the last group of rosy reds instead of buying five because there's five rhinos i bought 10 and i froze off five of them Nice. Um, so I was like, let me go ahead and see if scenting with those works. Um, and so I did that with some pinkies over the weekend. And that same animal, same thing, like interested in food, grabbed that pinky and ate it. Um, and the other four were like, piss off, dude. I'm not I'm not touching oh, that. Geez. Slowly well, but surely we're getting there. When I was trying to get the Egyptian cat eyes to eat, I wound up taking girdle tail lizard skin shed and made like little pinky like burritos with the skin and the first time the snake bit and got the head got halfway down the pinky realized that it was a pinky and that the burrito shell had fallen off and was like ah this isn't for me bat and spit it out then what i wound up doing is taking the same amount of skin and i made like a little cigarette and I stuffed it in the pinky's mouth. And that just worked. Mm. And that's what got all of them to go. So. Yeah, I, don't, I was being fairly conservative with it. Um, just because of like their size. Like, I, you know, if there's a ton of like skin stuff all over the place and they're yeah. already struggling to get it down because it's a big pinky. Like those rhino babies are small. Yeah. They are little. Have you um, thought about cutting one of the fluke fins off of a frozen thought rosy? And sticking that inside the mouth of the pinky? No, I tried scenting and, and sort of offering it to him. Scented, like I put, I thought out those those rosies and I, I put some water in the bag with some pinkies and then drained some of the water so that, you know, and then shook it up real good and tried to get as much scent uh, yeah. on it as possible. Um, and they're just, I some of them are runners, just like chondros, like, they're actually very similar to chondros, and you've got some that are that are going to sit there and strike at it, and then you've got some that are just going to bail and, and take off. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of these are, are bail and take off types. Have um, you tried rubbing the wet fish on a live pinky, like a live blood pink? Mm-mm. Dude, you should try that. Well, I thought out the I thought out the rest of the rosy reds after they didn't eat the pinkies, and was like, well, let me put these in the water bowl and see if they'll at least eat the frozen thawed rosies and no joy there either so yeah i would either put tails in them or offer them rosies you know yeah i would take a live blood pink and i would rub live fish slime on the live pinky and just leave it overnight see what that does see the issue with that is though is they're like more diurnal like at night they're not they're not really out and about so then do it at 8 a.m before you leave for work I'm starting to wonder. I found a slug in the adult rhino cage the other day. Really? My female was in shed for what felt like forever, which when wait, they're wait, in shed for what feels like forever, it's usually slug like a like, I was going to say slug like infertile or slug like a snail? Infertile. Oh, okay, infertile egg. Okay. Yeah. So I'm starting to wonder if she is somehow knocked up again, but I haven't taken her out to palpate her. Well, you'll see it soon she, enough. Because she disappeared for like two weeks. Okay. 
And I was like, what's going on? And I finally, I was like, let me look, see what's going on here. And then she was deep in shed. So I was like, okay. Because that prelay shed with those took forever. Yeah. It seemed like that. It seemed like she was in blue for a freaking month. Interesting. So I don't know. She kind of looks like she might have had like some lumpage going on. Okay. Not sure. I'm going to have to investigate that more. You know, I tend to leave those two alone, but once they're adjusted though, like those things cohab great. Like they do really well together when you keep them together in pairs. Nice. Feeding them is a little, a little sketch sometimes, but you get them both eating at the same time. It's usually not an issue. Yeah. Christian said he's starting to understand why you hated getting the alternative started. <laughs> I can only imagine, man. Scalopperous, man. Just go ahead and bite the bullet and get yourself some to, to freeze. And uh, Bill Bradley's in the chat. Good evening, Monsieur Bradley. Uh, Bill, did you get your recent backdrops from mypetbackdrops.com? <sighs> and uh, how are we on the chondro front, Bubba? Um, the pair has, well, I take that back. The male, they're, if you keep them together long enough, you definitely see these periods where there's like the switches either on or it's off. Okay. Because when it's off, they both are in their, their little areas and they don't move. But when they're on, the male will not leave her alone. The male will follow her wherever she goes. Uh, during the day, even he's caught up with her. Uh, and lately they've been, they've been separated. So, okay. I don't know, uh, what's going on there. Still very early in the season. Um, but we'll see. I mean, got them together. Just, uh, nice. wait to see what's going on there. Trying to, if I can get this, this banana clown sold, we got a guy locally that's got a, like a five-year-old female Bioc that he's trying to part with cause he's moving soon. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to get some some extra funds together to snag that. Nice, very nice. Buy the ball python. Buy some corn snakes. I got oh, the hook on corn snakes. And uh, Bill Bradley did get uh, petbackdrops.com background. So very eager to see the pictures that he chose and his new enclosure decor. Mark, Mark needs a banana clown ball. <laughs> I love it, Mark. Someone say Contros. Good, good Contros. Good co Contros. I can I can hear him sniffing through the computer. Have, like breathing heavily. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Dealing with, so like the taking care of of Justin's stuff while he's away, man, is definitely sort of giving me the Contro itch again a little bit in terms of like wanting to deal with babies again and and all the headaches and frustrations that they bring. But I do feel like they, of the problematic babies, they can be problematic, but I don't think they're nearly as bad as in some of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. In after Alterna, man, I swear, like, Alterna, for me, as far as what I've dealt with with babies of different species over the years, like, Alterna take the cake for, like, the most frustrating. Um, What's the banana clown of yellow Neo? I mean, it's like a nice vanilla tannish color. It's like a like the foam on a latte. I don't know. Um, because I have one of those condos from Justin. Um, you know, that was sort of his payment for, 
Rachondro sitting for him for the last right. two or three weeks. Which, by the way, that baby uh, is killer looking. It is. Uh, still working on getting that established. So, um, with the out of that clutch that he's got, all but five, if you count mine, are rocking and rolling on pinks. Like no hesitation, grab and wrap and, and eat, no problem. Um, the other five, instead of I know Justin's been giving them like pinky heads. Or I think he did some legs. Um, I just I still do tails, man. I'm still a I'm still a tail guy. To me, tails are just so much easier. Um, you know, I, I put one in mine today. Uh, I put one in the other four that he had at his house. Um, and for those new to the show, we're talking about taking a mouse, an adult mouse tail, off of a frozen thawed mouse, and yes. basically just gently shoving it in the con the baby chondro's mouth and then letting go and letting it eat it on its own yeah i i mean i get them i did it i did a video on our youtube channel uh, a couple of years ago of me doing it with cyania babies um i've done it so many times now it's i can get it done reasonably within like 30 seconds um and it's just it you know you just grab them and put it in there and then i sort of rifle it as i'm pushing it and I get it down about as far as I can until, you know, my basically until my fingers are almost in their mouth. And then I'd let yeah. it go. And they, you know, they, some of them will try and, uh, try and give it back. But after a couple seconds, they realize it's not happening and they'll just swallow it. So, yeah. It's not ideal, but, uh, it's a good, it's a good placeholder until they sort of get with the program. Yeah. And it, it is a lot less stressful than Jeez, consistently, dude. yeah, t- consistently aggravating and stressing the animal out by attempting to entice a defensive response or a feeding response. So, and then some species they need it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I tried chick down with these um, with zero interest, which I thought was really interesting. Contras are such rewarding species to win that battle with. Yeah, they are. Uh, Christian said, so what you're saying is if I get Alterna going, then I'm good to become a magical green snake on a stick breeder. Absolutely. Uh, Sean asked, how many female Contras do I have? So I actually thought that I was male heavy up until about six months ago, where two of the Contras that I have that I thought were going to be males have shed and they have no plugs and they're at that age where I should be getting plugs. So I actually have like one. So one of them, I don't know what the sex is on it because it's still too young. That's the last one I got from Luke. Um, Outside of that, I think I have 2.4. 2.5. How many is that? Seven, eight. Yeah, 2.5 currently. But um, three of those. No, it's not 2.5. I think it's 2.6. Big male Biok, older guy, pain in the ass. Other guy that I got with a female right now. This is a dream. Biok, Anorsa. Trying to remember to explain some of our herp lingo let's talk about point values real quick while justin does some quick arithmetic in his mind so when 
in the Herper world, when we talk about, you know, 2.1 or 1.4 or 0.0.1, we're referring to 2.5, 2.5. There you go. We're referring to a particular number of animals and their sex ratio, boys and girls. So the first digit is boys. The second digit is girls. And the third digit is unknown. So if I have one boy and no girls, that's 1.0 or 1.0. If I have one boy and one girl, that's 1.1. If I have three snakes and I don't know the gender, that would be 0.0.3. There you go. I have 2.5.2. And I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about the females turning out to be females um personally if this little baby from from olsen ends up being a male i will be extremely happy uh because i'm of the opinion that if you're going to be having some like if you want to produce like really really killer chondros or you're really wanting to to do some of the higher end stuff and not even necessarily with chondros but just in general i think you should really put more effort into the males you're buying rather than the females um, like if someone gave me five grand right now to, uh, to sink into, you know, you, you can buy one chondro. I'm going to go sink all that into one stellar male because I want to be able to, I can pair that male to multiple females. I can't pair a, a, a female to multiple males in the same, you know, season. So, um, and typically males, you're, you're going to be less problematic. You're not going to have as many health risks as far as like eggs and egg binding and things like that. Like, Males don't tend to want to eat as much. Like overall, males are are a little bit of an easier ride, um, and so many people, uh, especially in green trees, at least within the last like couple years, seems like p- people just want ready to go females, and it's like males are getting kind of left by the wayside, and it's like man, like that's ideal for people like me because since if we want a, a killer male, there's more than enough available, so. Which is, is something I've always thought was interesting, especially with knobtail geckos, because so many breeders will not sell a female without a male. They'll sell lone males, but they won't sell a female without a male. And I understand the concept, you know, one boy can, you know, breed with multiple females. I get that. But there's so many times when they're stuck with extra males or they're stuck with extra females because no one wants to buy right. two two lizards you know if you've already got a pair you don't want exactly point one yeah so like i have a male vertebralis that has i've had him for oh man i don't know four years now because his girlfriend died t- three months after i got the pair mm-hmm. and i can't i can't it's not that i can't afford it i can't justify buying another right. pair just to have a girl you know i'm still in the same boat you know mm-hmm. so I'll wait for Gron to produce something. I'll steal one. Yeah, I mean that's not to say that females shouldn't matter either, but yeah, just personally, if I'm if I'm shopping around, I'm I'm looking for something with the purpose of breeding it. Um, I'm I'm most of the time going to be looking at males and what options I have there. So, yeah, well said. Christian said, I never focus on getting males or females. I just buy the best animals I can, regardless of sex. The only downside is you will have more animals. And in my book, that's totally fine. Yeah. 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 
like uh i mean that that female chondro from brahms that i have that i i love so much like i was really hoping that was going to be a male you know it ends up being a female am i upset about it absolutely not um vertebralis is in cape gopher no you're talking about nephris you're muted sorry about that yes nephris vertebralis the midline knobtail gecko But if I end up getting this this local Bioc, um five year old female, that's a good uh, size. And I remember when this when this guy got it. Um, so I know it's been in the same collection for a handful of years now. Um, but then that could of course sort of get me back on the track of of breeding just some captive bred Bioc's and getting some sort of more entry-level chondros out there again at some point, but that's assuming it happens. And that's assuming someone wants to buy this uh, banana clown ready-to-breed male. We'll start a, an auction right here in the chat. Start the bidding at 30, 50 bucks. 50? 15? Do I hear 50? Do I hear 60? 50? 50? 50 in the front? 50 in the back? Jeff Frederick? 50? Patrick, 60. Christian Parr, right here, 75. Jeff and Kendra, 1,000. Sold. Filters up and left. He got tired of us talking about green trees. That's what it was. He ain't about that life. He's not one of the, the elite. He's not a chondro guy. Oh, look, he decided to come back and join us. Sorry, man, I was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. I had to refill the thermosel. Come on, Jeff. You guys love clown stuff. You've been talking about it forever, how much you like clowns. Now you're looking at two of them on your screen, and you ain't, you ain't loving us enough to buy a banana clown. It's got, it's got freckles and stuff. I'm assuming that's a banana thing. I have no idea. No, I, I just... I I know nothing about ball pythons. But I know that this one's nice. I've seen it. I held it in my hands. It's a good-looking snake. I was half-tempted to take it to Jake. Spurge Jr. But Jake would beat my ass. Yeah, he would. He loved that snake. I don't care what, what he says. He Wait, can, he, he, he can, sold the pet ball that you gave him? I think he might still have it, but it was supposed to be going to, I think, Matt Palmer. Oh, okay. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> I do like freckles, but no. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Did you see that new uh, Trimeresserus species they found? You mean the Venustus? <laughs> it's not. It's different. I know. I know. It's different. Did sure, you see sure. it? It's not the same. Okay. Go on. It's like the rough scale python version. Is it really? Did you not look at it? 
I looked at a picture of a Venusis on a rock wall. That's what I looked no. at. No. Okay. Time out. Pull them up. Pull them up. Uh, grab my my keyboard. New. Oh, can't spell. Of. Limestone eyelash vipers, Trimeresurus ciliaris. And it is silly. See if I can find these here pictures. And look, I, I love the, the Trimeresurus genus. I do. I love tree vipers. I think they're awesome. I've kept a lot over the years. But I can't, I just, I can't understand how some of these are split. I mean, I know DNA is a thing. I know scale count is a thing, but like. It was nice when it was just Vanestis. Yeah, I know. Uh, and now there's like, too, what, like, three species that all look identical. Right. Not and counting like, I, this new one because it does uh, actually have differences. I understand that some are live bearing, some lay eggs. That's a major thing. Sure. Split them up. But at the same time, you also have Echis that do the same thing. So maybe they just haven't done enough DNA stuff on Echis. I don't know. But I'm I'm very much of the mindset of if there's bountiful amounts of reasons to split things or, or make things their own species, then sure, go for it. But a lot of times they just split to split because of the DNA. And I feel like that shouldn't always be the case. All right. So what am I looking at here? These do have like morphological. They are different. Notice the are they, are they they're comparing the two species, or are we all this is all the new one. This is the ciliaris, so this is the new one. And where's if this you found? see it side by side with the Venestis, this is not. This is two two individuals of that new species. Okay, but you just notice sort of the the stouter nose, the scales over the eye seem to be a little more raised yeah uh let's see. It, it does when you look at it from a profile view in a scientific fashion it does look like a different snake it definitely looks but, thinner and like long it doesn't seem as it seems lankier than than vanessa yeah, it's, it's it's more protobothrops ish looking yes so in comparison this is this is the other Vanestis family type stuff, and then these are two specimens of the new. Okay. So all right. Where where's it found? Uh they it's like in a very tiny place in Thailand here. Let me see yeah. if I, I can't zoom in on that. Uh is, is the red. So that's this right here, is Ciliaris. Okay. This little smidgen here interesting and where was it saying venusis is found uh, that's the green which let's see there's one right here pink in here yeah and then purple, I can't see where purple is there. Purple's right next to the red. 
Is that purple? Yeah, I think so. Which is interesting because th- those those colors on that map are literally the the historical locality maps of Tremurasurus Venustus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Let's see, so this article says a new colorful karst-dwelling pit viper from the poorly explored borderlands of southern peninsular Thailand. Uh, we describe a new species of pit viper from the Trang province of Thailand near the Thailand-Malaysian border based on morphological and molecular lines of evidence. Morphologically, ciliaris is distinguished from its... It's so small, I can't read. Jesus, I'm getting old. See if I can zoom in on this. No, it's 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 super tiny, dude. <laughs> I'm looking at the screen. It's incredibly tiny because it's. Yeah, like I have it on full screen, and I can't. There we go. Ugh, blind no more. Silly ours is distinguished from its congeners by congeners congeners. By the following, this is what happens when we try to read things and sound smart. Uh, by the following combination of morphological characters, a long papillose hemipenis, first supralabial, 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 holy mother of God. There it is. There it is. And Get nasal scale fused, three to four small supraocular scales, internasals not in contact. Small scale between the nasal and scale formed by the fused second superlabral and loreal present. Dorsal scales, 17, 17, 15 rows across the body. Ventral scales, uh, 171 in females, 172 to 175 in males. Um, see if it says anything about where it... The new species forms a distinct clade on the phylogenetic tree of the genus Trimorestris and differs from the morphologically similar species T. Vanestis by a significant divergence in cytochrome B mitochondrial DNA gene sequences. Uh, this says 12.5%. So if that's the difference, that is actually wow. a really big gap. Yeah, man. That's the huge. new species is currently known from a small karstic area in the... Nakawan range spanning the border of Thailand and Malaysia, in particular in limestone forests in Trang and Satun provinces. It likely also occurs in the adjacent parts of the uh, Perlis state in Malaysia. Our study also suggests that the taxonomy of Trimorestris canburiensis species complex requires further studies. In particular, our study suggests that the status of populations from the Chumphon province in Thailand and Pulau Langkawi Island of Malaysia should be reassessed. Interesting. That's a huge divergence, man. That's a very big divergence. And were they saying that Cambriensis was also lumped in that as well? No, I think Cambriensis, it seems like that's uh, like that, that maybe sort of like the pilot species of that clade. Okay. Okay. I could see that. That's cool, man. Like they're the 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 genesis of that whole complex because there's Cambriensis, there's Venestis, and now there's these, and I'm almost positive there's another species or two in there that look very similar. Because um, it used to just be Venestis, if I'm not mistaken, or it may have yeah, just it was, been it Cambriensis. Was, yeah, it was well, it was just Venestis for a long time, then they added Cambriensis, which is visually different. 
And now this, uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. I just find it amazing that it's 2023 and we're still finding new species and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's my next question was, is this a, hey, these have a blunt nose, we should run their DNA? Or is this a, wow, we're in the jungle, we found a new snake? Comparison of body coloration between males of Ciliaris, Cambriensis, and Venestus. So, A, this is Ciliaris. This is Cambriensis. Kuiberi. And Venestus. So, like, very similar, but obviously just... It, it, I mean, if you... Profile wise, when you look at them, you can tell they're yeah they're different. Yeah, the facial profile, the the mugshot, if you will, is very different. But looking at them on a branch, that would be tough, man. Yeah, yeah. that would be very tough. Like this is Venestus at the bottom. See this one, I haven't even heard of the uh, Kuiberi. I don't know Trimeresterus Kuiberi. That one's new to me. Um, Cambriensis, which again was like the the godfather of that that group, if I'm not mistaken, and then Ciliaris is the new one here at the top. But I thought it was cool as hell, man. That's very cool. It is. I mean, I, I make jokes about it earlier, but it is super fascinating. And and as populated as that part of the world is there's so much thick montane jungle that just there's got to be more stuff to be found yeah be i mean that's what they're saying here is that that area is just poorly explored i mean think about all the new uh like the atheris species how many they found just yeah. nestled in within the ranges of of so many other species i don't know that book had had species i had no idea existed um yeah that's awesome it's uh it's pretty pretty wild and uh, who are the authors on the paper Ooh. let's try and give them credit let me pull it up again hmm <laughs> See, I'm not going to be able to pronounce these names. Okay. Sang Suri Songfong, chief of the national park, said he, his assistant, Naken Kawithanatham, and research official Bunyarit Dechokai accidentally spotted the newly discovered species of pit, vi pit vipers while they were resting under a limestone shelter recently. Identified the snake. Researcher later found that the team made a new discovery. Uh, let's see. Where is the paper? Sabira Idiatu Idiatulina. Maybe. Yeah. Perinia 
Pawang Kathanat, Tanapong Tawan, Tanawut, Waranuk. I I I can't. Tried, man. You tried. I tried. I'm too tried. white. Well, on that same note of new species, I was sent a paper from our friend across the pond, Rod, Rob Calloway, of a new species of wrinkle. Oh. So, uh, for those unaware, the wrinkle's snake or wrinkle's cobra is endemic to Southern Africa. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there was always records of a small population on the Zimbabwean Mozambique border in their highlands. But no one's caught one or seen one for a really long time. <clears throat> so several individuals, uh, Tom Major, Jans Riesing, Wolfgang Wooster, et al., to name a few, put together a paper, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, basically doing the DNA research and scale counts on museum specimens from the uh, Zimbabwean localities. And they have deemed it Hemacatus niangensis. And they basically said in the paper that it's probably extinct. So there goes that dream for Phil of going to Zimbabwe and finding that snake. But who knows? It could be hiding would, in a hole somewhere. Why would Callaway even even torture you like that? Be like, Phil, check it out, a new species. <laughs> I, you ain't never gonna see it. Well, I, he didn't he didn't do it like that. He was doing it for my love of wrinkles, but gotcha, bitch. it uh it's fascinating to know that it is no longer a monotypic species in theory. So I don't know how long it takes to prove that something is extinct. Or like what the parameters are to say something's extinct, but technically, I guess it would still be monotypic. But it is super cool to know that that small Zimbabwean locality is its own species. That was very cool. Well, tell you what, if I ever found a new ring, I'd name it after you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that sincerely. Yeah, and they uh, in the paper they post some photos from, um, I guess the last recorded sighting in the field, I think was like 1989 or something, and uh, basically the paper just says how there's farming and agriculture and human development, and that's they think that that's why they're just disappeared, but the photos that they post of it uh, in the wild, it's a super cool looking snake, man. It's kind of reversed from the Hotang province locality where it's more of a uh, yellow with, um, I'm sorry, it's more of a yellow neck with black opposed to black with yellow, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. or black with white. So super, super cool looking animal. But uh, when was like the last picture? I don't know when the last like picture was, but I, I think they said it was, they, they keep referencing like the 80s, the 80s, the 80s. Um, hold on, let me pull the paper back up. So the <clears throat> oh, let me try and open up. Uh, apparently, our friend Louis uh, Batoi has invited me to join a group called High End Oddities. Nothing under two hundred dollars. 
And on such group, you can buy a mummy. Really? Or a nice variety of Ouija boards from over the over the decades, which I don't know why on earth anybody would want to buy a Ouija board. I don't care if that thing was made by Mattel. It's not coming in my house. <laughs> Wait, what's a mummy? What's a mummy gaff? Is it a fake mummy? I don't know. It looks real. $3,500 OBO. So this doesn't have the year of the photos, but you can tell it was a long time ago. Um, and let me try and zoom in on this real quick. You want a blue wildebeest hide? $300, my guy. Seems kind of steep. A lion's so, from my personal research, this species does look like northern Limpopo province. Um, these photos, both A and B, Hemacotus niangensis, a uh, specimen in life displaying defensive hood posturing and Miobo woodland grassland habitat. So, this is, I guess, Miobo locality. Um... I don't know how this is going to translate on the screen, but look at, look at that! Look at that yellow chest. Oh yeah, that looks and like then, a pretty hefty one too. Yeah, and uh, and then this is Nyanga National Park, which is where the name comes from. Uh, but this is obviously a preserved specimen, so which is crazy because it's so heavily banded. Yeah. So very cool, very cool indeed. One day I will make it there and I will try my luck. There's entirely too many Ouija boards for sale in this group. And what? Antique prosthetic arm. Beautiful piece of medical history that would look great in any curiosities collection. These are getting harder to find for a reasonable price. Don't wow. delay. $395. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He did probably invite me so I could sell that two-headed corn. <laughs> I, when he, he told me, he mentioned something in the... Uh, when he commented on the post that I made with the same pictures... Said you see people pay good amounts for dead ones. I don't know. To me, that's like selling your socks or something online because there's a group of people that really like collecting other people's socks. I don't. I don't know. It's just odd. That's that's, I guess that's why they call weird. it oddities. Yep, that's why they talking, call it oddities. Talking more about the people than the actual uh, items for sale. Yeah. Hmm. But it's safe to say at this point that the uh, baby season is over okay. here for now. Going to have a lot of hypo babies. You don't sound happy about that. For sale. So 
they actually do look really good. There was well, I had one from the first clutch shed a couple days ago, and that thing is absolutely banging. Nice. Uh, let me. I'll share with the class real quick. Let me find it. While you do that, how's the Leonis? They're kicking ass and taking names, man. These things are little little monsters with food. Nice, good. How's yours? Good, cute. Barely see it. When I do, it's basking, it like basks in a ball. It's kind of cute. Any luck on food yet? Oh yeah, yeah, boiled. Oh, that that was the that was the trick. That was should've the trick. Should have listened to Chris right out of the gate. So. Yep, leave just leave the boil there and walk away and gone in three, four hours. Well, I got I have some of those uh the corns I got from from Peck last week are uh in shed. And I'm really excited to see them once they come out because those are gonna be really good looking animals. But I think I everyone ate. I fed everyone over the weekend. And uh Got to get some room clear out so that when I move all that stuff out of quarantine in the next couple months, I'll have somewhere to put it. Nice. <clears throat> Come on, Google. Come on, Google. Yeah. You can do it. That uh, that wild-caught corn, the latest edition on that front, eight, two. That's cool. Wild-caught corns, I've, I don't know about you, but I've never had a problem getting them to eat. Never. Anything that moves in front of them. Here we go. Finally. Got it. That's not the right window. Here we go. Oof. That's a good looking, good looking snake there, boy. Wow. Look at that thing. It's radioactive. Het pied, het annery. And the testers look good too, but man, like all the, the normal pattern ones that have hatched, um, just absolutely smoking. There's definitely one or two from the first clutch I'm going to hold on to. And then, you know, we'll see what if what else comes out of this uh, the second clutch, but these things are just I'm really really excited to see how those how those look as they get older and get some size on them. Yeah, so, man. That baby looks great. So light at that age. So light. Chris wants wants some Look at that little blushing of orange on the saddle in between the saddles. Mhm. Mm Yep, just little sunspots. They've all got like freckles on like the the mask part. I thought that was pretty interesting. That was the first thing I saw in the very first clutch when I had a saw a head popping out. I was like, "That's not a normal head. That's not a normal corn. Damn it! What are you?" So those are looking good. Very attractive. Yes, that's another wild-caught Ladies Island corn that I got. Um, my dad, actually, the other night, uh, well, it's been a week now. Um, the same night that I cut that Jansen eye egg and found that to, you know, the end result of that, uh, my dad texted me and said, hey, I found another corn. 
and sent me a picture. And so then I actually went over there that same night and, and snagged it and, and brought it home. It's like a yearling. It's, it's not a big one. Um, probably pull up a picture of it too, I guess. I don't think I did last week. Uh, <laughs> this is the problem when you end up wading through a million pictures on your phone. That one, I'm gonna upload this one. Let me grab those. Yeah, I'm still haven't really decided exactly what I want to do as far as late. Well, that's not true. Next year, the plan for Ladies Island stuff uh, is I will have a male that I will that was produced, he was a 2021 baby that should have enough size to go back to the female the dam of that clutch um so it'll sort of be the first step in the in the line breeding project of the of the ladies island stuff which has been i feel like a long time coming i've been working towards that for a hot minute so i'm excited to see what comes of it uh what i love about this this little yearling too is just the fact that it looks I mean, I don't, it shouldn't surprise me and I don't know why it, it really does, but it looks so much like the F ones and stuff that I've hatched. Um, it's, it's almost, you know, identical to some of the ones that I've, I've hatched and raised up a little bit. Um, but this is it right here. It's coming up. <laughs> One of the things that I've come to really like about the Ladies Island stuff overall is like the thin white border you get around the black border on the saddles. That's something I've noticed with with a lot of the F1s that I've hatched as well is like there's just there's a white around the, the very outside of the saddle that I think is, is pretty interesting and pretty cool. It seems to be on some of them. It seems pretty much more pronounced than others. Um, Very Okatee-ish. Yeah. Another thing that I found interesting too, is a lot of the, the ladies on ones too, that I've seen and hatched that, that this part of that part of the head pattern, the head stamp is, is missing. There's almost always this gap. Is it always on the right side? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. It's, yeah. And this one bit my dad, which I thought was hilarious. And nice. me. But it looks to be a female. Again, I just love the white. Almost looks like spray painted. Yeah, and when you zoom in like that, you can see how each individual scale is colored. That's awesome. And those white border scales, it's like 
half the scale is white, the other half yeah. bleeds into yeah. the tan. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But not a like not a scar, not a scratch. Like if you put this snake on a table amidst a bunch of other captive bred stuff, you would not be able to tell that this was a wild caught animal. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Nice. Um, and I've I, I think we've mentioned it before. Like I'm very particular about the stuff that I end up holding on to as far as wild caught goes. You know, I don't do adults if it's something smaller. Like this size is about as big as I want to go usually. Um, this size or smaller, I'll, I'll definitely hold on to just because the likelihood of it making to adulthood is probably pretty slim. Um, so I have this one currently. Um, and oddly enough, too, I'm curious what you think about this as well, Phil. But when it comes to wild caught stuff in terms of pathogens and things like that, I have much less concern about pathogens with wild caught stuff like this than I do a majority of the stuff that you get at shows. Yeah, I'm I'm with you a thousand percent. Um any animal that I have personally field collected that I've kept, I've never dewormed. And certain species that are wild caught, I don't deworm on purpose. Like for example, Atheris. I've never I never I have done it, but I don't deworm Atheris because from personal experience i feel like there's a lot of good stuff living in there that the dewormer gets rid of on accident yeah but when we have like north american colubrids and stuff that you know rat snakes corn snakes even water snakes that i've kept i've never dewormed simply because they're already doing good let me keep them going good and as long as i keep them going good in theory they will be fine they'll either pass it on their own or they'll honestly just live with it and be fine now the stuff that you get at a importer's table to show it's been through a rough time man it's been out of its environment for weeks if not months it's been exposed to all different uh pressures and temperature levels and humidity levels and the stress is just off the charts um so i kind of adopt the nipper theory of get it home get it chilled out get it relaxed get it eating and then once it's good and it's got some meals in it, then do your dewormer. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but the only stuff that I really do deworm is stuff kind of like that. You know, in particular, Asian species that come in just because they've been through the ringer, a handful of African stuff that has just been through the ringer. So, but like a corn snake that I caught in my county, pff, never done it, never dewormed. Yeah, and I mean, I probably will put put up something in it down the road um the only sort of parasites that i've had um was the male actually the male ladies island one of them that i i lost a couple couple weeks ago um he did have like a subcutaneous worm um but any of the other corns that i have that were wild caught were bees from the wild caught stuff uh, look healthier than than some of the the stuff you buy at shows. Uh, yeah, just I don't know. I can't really describe it other than it looks more natural. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those Baird's babies. The looking good, man. Cross, looking real good. Yeah, I'm excited to see him shed. They come out so much bigger than corn babies, too. 
It's that desert lifestyle, man. They gotta. They're chunky when they come out. Yeah. Love that. Almost lepidus head. Yeah, man. When they come out, they're damn near blue. Yeah. Um, but Very cool. Be interesting. That pair, like that was almost an accidental collection. First. I just, I put them together for a night because I was like, maybe something will happen. And I didn't think anything did because when I went to go pull them like the next day, they were on the opposite ends of the the tub, you know, like whatever, man. But they did it. So, hey, man, goes back to that desert lifestyle. Got to be quick. Got to strike when the iron's hot. Do they get the melanated stripes down the back as adults? Uh, the corns, no. The ladies on corns, I, I have not seen that. Um, they seem to really stick to the, like, the saddles and the, you don't get a lot of that wash that sort of happens as they get older. The uh, Annery Baird's project, uh, the female. So we, me and Chris went in on a pair together. Uh, I lost the male, unfortunately. And the female I still have, and she's doing fine. Uh, definitely need to, at some point, get our hands on another male. Because I think if I just have the one female and I pair her to stuff, then I'm going to have to hold back way more because the, the pos hat number goes down significantly when there's just one parent with the hat. So, sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, Patrick said, I never dewormed the pair of Miami corns I caught in 91. They produced eggs the next year and every year after till I sold them in 96. They were healthy snakes and ate one day after I got back from Florida. Yeah. Again, I've never had any issues with any of the wild-caught animals that I have, getting them, like, they adjust so well and so quickly to captivity. Um, it's, it's, they just get right in the groove. There's no, no problems. Yeah, my one, uh, what I'm, what I'm now calling, I was calling it Miami because it is technically from Miami, but it's honestly, I'm learning it's, it's a Broward locality. Um, when I, when I got her, she threw up three brown nulls in the container that I had her in, like on the drive home from the bush. Mm-hmm. And I've never dewormed her. And Lord knows if she's eating brown nulls, she's got to have something in there. Yeah, and that's that's also crossed my mind too with with going for younger stuff. Anyways, is I think, and it could be complete bullshit, but your chances of having like a, a heavier parasite load, I think, seem to be probably smaller when you're dealing oh, for with a younger sure. animal that is has had less exposure to that kind of stuff. But uh, again, I could just be talking out of my ass there. But no, I agree with you. I do most definitely. Trying to see if I have any like recent pictures of the adult Ladies Island stuff, and I don't think I do. So Jeff Frederick's saying uh, it's pretty easy to do a fecal smear on your own now. Of uh, the fecal smear being taking feces and putting on a slide and looking for microorganisms under a microscope, uh, you can get them. He says Jeff says you can get a microscope that hooks up to your phone or a handheld one for uh, pretty cheap these days which I didn't even think about that. They have all kinds of stuff that plugs into your, your cell phone now. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've wanted to tackle myself. Uh, not necessarily like the ability to do that is one thing, but being able to identify what you're looking at 
is where there's sort of the learning curve, I think. Um, and that's something that I, I personally want to get better at being able to do is, is be able to do that kind of stuff on my own and be able to look in the microscope and know what I'm looking at and say definitively, like, this is what we're dealing with. Um, yeah. Cause I, there's plenty of people I know that, that run their own fecals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be, it'd be nice to, to be able to do. I think it's a handy skill. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys quarantine wild caught longer than show pickups? Um, I actually can say this. Uh, I've only kept, I've only field collected stuff personally and kept it in Florida. And I've never quarantined any of those animals because they're so healthy in the wild that I was never really concerned. Nowadays, we may have some pathogens and viruses to look out for, but I've, I've honestly, knock on wood, I've never had that problem with Florida wild-caught stuff that I caught myself. I agree. Um, my main concern, just like what with what we were talking about uh, with wild-caught stuff like that, is worms of some sort, parasites. Yeah. Um, as far as like viral pathogens, I mean, snake fungal disease, I think, is definitely a thing. Um, whether or not that's... I, th I feel like that's something you would notice in a wild caught snake. And obviously if you saw something even similar to that, you would, I would hope not even bring it into your collection at all. Yeah. Um, I will say but, this too, is I've had friends catch stuff for me and if it went to their house, Oh, it gets quarantined because they have non-native stuff as well. And I don't right. know what's brewing there, you know? So even though I trust them as a friend in that regard, I'm still going to quarantine it because accidents happen man you know yeah i have that book uh jeff and it's I, i've i've looked into that thing for so many different things over the the couple of years i've had it like it's been absolutely invaluable it's worth every bit that you spend on i think it's like a hundred and uh, it's gotta be more than 150 now but something close to that um so this is the mail that uh, that i actually got back from jake because he was mail heavy because I don't know how to sex snakes. And uh, this is going to go back to that female next year. Very cool. But again, like the white, I don't, yeah. I just, it's wild to me that they've got that going on. And see, you can yeah, see the same that, thing that, yeah. that, that spot's missing on the head still. Yeah. So for the those listening spot. on your, for those listening on your commute to work, we're, when we talk about the spot on the head, the corn snake has almost like a monocle cobra monocle on the top of its head. It's kind of elongated. And on the ones that Smitty's finding, the right side of that circle is broken. Wow, look at that white line. It just stops. It just stops and turns red. Super cool. It turns black, then it turns red. Yeah, it turns black and then it turns red. Yeah, and like you were saying, it looks spray painted. Like it literally looks like someone just took an airbrush and just went. Tss, tss, yeah. Tss. Yeah. Hopefully, with breeding this male back to that female, we'll we'll see if that gets expanded upon. Yeah. Um, this one looks very similar to the to the female in terms of just the overall like orangish color. She mm -hmm. doesn't have nearly as much of this lightness going on, like this buckskinny tan color between the saddles. Right. Um, but actually, oh, I do remember this animal 
particularly now because he had this. I have another one from the the following year that has the same thing going on in the same spot with the weird broken saddle kind of deal. Yeah. I don't know. But Jake's like, oh, an extra mail. Do you want it back? I was like, hell yeah, I want it back. <laughs> but to answer uh, the question previously about quarantine wild caught stuff, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Phil. I'm not nearly as concerned about, about pathogens and, and viruses and stuff uh, with the wild caught stuff than I am bringing stuff home from Daytona. I'm much more paranoid about, about that than oh, yeah. with the wild caught. It's like even mites, like I've never like snake mites. I've never seen snake bite snake mites as we know them on wild caught snakes. Yeah. I've, I've never found a North American is, snake with mites. It's not wild, a, ever. it's not a native thing. I don't think that's, I no. need to look into that more myself. Cause I'm curious, but wild it's a fun project the rarest locality yeah man it's a great picture too like you zooming in great photo yeah it's good old samsung everyone talks smack about samsung but jeff said that's what it looks like when people get with miami x okati pairings yeah i don't know i mean they're straight from the tap Straight from the tap. Well, I love the fact too that that mine all came from like literally the same two, three mile radius, and some of them even closer than that. Um, you know, minus the like the Beaufort County one that actually came from the other side of town, but that's still like an unbelievable looking corn. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm still so like that male in particular. I'm not even sure what I want to do with him because that was the one that I couldn't. I couldn't figure out if it was a male or a female for the longest time because it seemed like it was kind of a little bit of both. Um, it's such a nice snake. I don't know what to put to it because it's like I want to put him to something, but at the same time, it's like I feel like I got to put it to something equally as nice and and classic South Carolina Okatee thick border type deal. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Jeff said, there's no definitive evidence as to the country of origin of what we call snake mites. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Well, sir, is there anything else you want to touch base on tonight? I don't think so. Are you planning to get out and do any road cruising or herping at all? With the? Is it starting to cool down there at all? Uh, no, I mean, it was a little breezy today, but just because we've been having hella rain, man, just rough, rough rain. Um, I guess most of the Eastern seaboard has, especially the Northeast, but <clears throat> I, um, I'm not gonna be doing anything for the next couple of days. Uh, I'm getting new tires put on the car, getting the car serviced because Nipper flies in on Friday night. Oh yeah. And then I'm going to be in North Florida, uh, the following week. So. We'll be doing plenty of driving. It's starting to, it's finally like cooling off. I think we're done with the the heat as I, as we know it. It's been, must the, be nice. It's been in the low 80s, mid 80s is the high for the last 
two weeks or so, and I'm, I think it's sticking around. Like right now, it's probably in the 60s. Must be it's, nice. It's extremely nice. I'm so freaking happy. <laughs> I, I hate the heat, man. Looking for canes? Oh, yeah. Definitely on my list. Faux show. Team Atricodales. I still need to put that shirt on the website. I've yet to do that. You do. You do. Oh, add it to the to-do list. Uh, when is part two with O'Shea? Uh, most likely going to be probably uh, what's uh, so three weeks from now ish. So keep your eyes, keep your ears peeled. Can I come sit in the corner and watch? Yes. Hands on top of the table, Smithy. Mark would be like, who's that guy over there? You guys should mess with him and be like, who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll do like picture in picture, make your screen really tiny in the corner. Why does he have that smile on his face? It's good. Hmm. I sent you a cup of my blood. Did you get my blood? <laughs> oh well this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com check them out facebook instagram use the code thn at checkout get 10 percent off your order and then if you are in need of some shirts maybe some hats um fullviceapparel.com don't make it weird don't be naked get yourself something cool Use code THN to check out as well. Get 15% just for THN listeners and viewers like you. Um, also, if there's... Um, so I've had people ask me about these FA hats. I've not put them on the website because I just kind of assumed that nobody would want them. But apparently I have some people that do want them. So maybe Yeah, man. Branding. Start putting some out there. I don't know. Um, if there's enough interest, sure. I'll do it. Other than that, Puget Sound Pythons, Facebook and Instagram, Morph Market, and give them a follow on all of those platforms. Cold Bloody Caffeine. Cool stuff coming soon. Get your buzz on. That's right. Grab you uh grab you some coffee or some some merch and stuff. They've got some shirts and whatnot. And uh if you go to the link down below and you buy from that, me and me and Phil get a little bit of something as a result so once we finish the project we're working on do you think we should have apparel to go with it what do you mean well the like mo what? the most recent conversation we had with trey once that's sorted out we should maybe make some apparel to go with that with the portidium on it no, not with the Porthidium. No. Yeah. Goodbye. Why won't you like them? Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for commenting. If you're on your it's commute, such a cool genus. My apologies. Oh, whatever. We'll see everybody later. Uh, there will not be THP Thursday because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be out of town. So you'll just have to wait until. The next Monday. Well, no. You have to build the anticipation. What? 
I won't be here Monday. Why? Because I'll be in the middle of nowhere in North Florida. Oh, damn. Yeah. What the hell? Build the anticipation, listeners and viewers. Okay. Oh, Bill Bill Bradley says, yeah. I had someone asking about that the other day, too. They're like, is Bill done? I was like, I don't think so. He's just been traveling a lot for work. He's just been busy. Busy man. Doing his thing. So stay tuned for that as well. We'll see everybody later. Bye.